Takeout is cool, but delivery gets pricey. So, like a phoenix from the ashes, indoor dining is back at Forge Eatery. I use the analogy because the food is fire. It's a new approach to farm the table. No overalls, just dope food. Try my favorites, like the mushroom stew with pine nuts and ricotta, the cornmeal fried happy oysters, and the seared duck breast. Also, ask about the chocolate chip cookie tins. Mini chocolate chip cookies with a dusting of sea salt. Simply delicious. Head on over to ForgedEatery.com to check out the current menu options and make a reservation today. Forged is located at 3520 Chestnut Avenue in Hamden. Welcome to Getting to the Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today I am welcomed by Mark Dennerstein and Andy Hotchkiss, the owners and operators of Hammerjacks. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Awesome to be here. Thank you. So um, I'll be remiss if I don't start off with this. Congrats on bringing back Hammerjacks. <laughs> so if you will, um, give us the vital stats. Where'd you grow up? This is, you know, kind of ping ponging it. Um, where'd you grow up? Music that kind of changed your life, scenes you were in, things like that. So, so give me the rundown. All right, well, I'll start because I'm, uh, I'm uh, local to the area. I grew up in Rockville. My family is actually, my dad's from Suitland, Maryland. My mom's from Silver Spring. So I'm a third generation Marylander. Uh, grew up, uh, you know, obviously one of those Marylanders that Mark d- doesn't get it how Maryland, the Maryland people love Maryland so much. He thinks it's like insanity. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I grew up, uh, you know, locally and I, uh, my favorite music, uh, Mark and I have this in common. We both love the Allman brothers. Uh, he'll get into that later, but I'm a huge <laughs> fan of Pearl jam as well. I met my wife at a Pearl jam concert. Um, and you know, i obviously I'm a fan of, pretty much all music that's out there. But if you're going to ask for, you know, two bands that I love, I'd say the almonds and Pearl jam are, are certainly my tops. That's great. Um, I am from all over the place, but I grew up, uh, in Houston, Texas, um, lived in new Orleans, Los Angeles, New York, Boise, Idaho, Baltimore. Uh, so I'm all over the place. And, um, Part of that's, uh, you know, uh, college and all that. But um, I took my show on the road as uh, a promoter uh, being in the live music industry and had several opportunities in, in a lot of those different cities. Um, but uh, and musically speaking, um, my first concert, I was 13. I went to the Almonds um, in New York at the Beacon Theater which is a really legendary venue to see them in. They, uh, when they were at their height, they were doing like a month of shows at the, at the uh, beacon every March. They used to call it March madness. And, um, you know, kind of start off with that, but really went all over the place. And my love of music extends from classic jazz to EDM. I mean, I'm really all over the place. I'm a true appreciator of most anything. Talent is really what, you know, just pure raw talent is really what attracts me to a particular kind of music. Um, so it's, uh, it's deep for me. Yeah, I, I, I dig it. Um, the, the, the music search, uh, the, I want to say, you know, and I kind of started off with that question because I'm an appreciator of music and I'll say in this podcast, whenever I have someone who's 
really like an, an audiophile and that that way of like, yeah, I'm just looking for new, it's the new thing, man. It's, you know, multiple genres, it doesn't matter. Or if I'm speaking to um, photographers, it's like I have a different type of conversation and we can just go deeper and deeper and deeper, deeper into it. So be, between the two of you, um, where do you discover like new music? Um, where, where what, what platforms or what formats are you looking for? Are you still just kind of grabbing, like going to a record store, picking up a record? Are you on Tidal or your Spotify? I know for me, um, uh, for a long time, I would be on like pigeons and planes and I would just let uh, Spotify do its thing and just try to find something that has maybe similar uh, sensibilities to, to what I, what I enjoy, but how do you two kind of like search for music and discover new music? I'll, I'll go first. So I, I mean, yes, I'm a huge Spotify fan. So I do Spotify and you know, they, it's really funny. Like they think they have a profile and sometimes they'll send you things. You'd be like, I do not like this. Like, I don't know why they think I would like this, but Spotify does do a great job of opening your eyes to new artists and new music that you'd never heard before. And all of a sudden you go on Spotify and you're listening to some band uh, like, you know, that you never heard before. And all of a sudden they're like your new favorite band for a while. But the other way that I typically will discover music and it's not usually wide range music is I love, you know, part of what we're doing here is I love just going to see live music. So Whenever there's a, you know, a, a local band or a band playing somewhere relatively close by, or I'm in a foreign city, we'll always seek out um, places that have live music. And you end up just finding these, you know, little artists all over the place that, you know, end up resonating with you somehow. Um, so for me, it's mainly Spotify and then actually seeking them out on foot. Like, you know, here's live music. Let's go see if these guys are any good. I dig it. I grew up in record stores, so digging was you know that was a saturday afternoon activity right i mean that was you know okay hey mom can you drop me off at sound waves or wherever i was going um oh god sound waves <laughs> just brings back memories uh so so that was that was the best right i mean there was a what was interesting was that you know there was no real you, know, you weren't looking up things on on google and your, your knowledge of music was limited to what you had experienced when you walked through the doors of the store. If you were lucky, the, the, you know, the cool guy was working behind the counter and he would tell you some stuff about what just came out. You know, the new releases board was up, but I was also looking to, you know, find out historical stuff, you know, you know learn about what had come before me. So maybe the, the guy in the store would tell you something, but the discovery, you know, just digging through and, and, and figuring out who, you know, the Delphonics yeah. were, uh, who are the Delphonics? Well, they're not a big name, but if you go back and listen to the Delphonics, you're going to realize that they influenced God knows how many artists. Um, so the randomness of that was exciting. And I think while Spotify, I mean, Spotify just makes it too easy. <laughs> I mean, it's so quick and so easy. You don't have to work for it very hard. And so I don't really use Spotify. I, I still enjoy the randomness of something like Pandora, um, where I just don't have to think about it and something will just, you know, if I haven't heard it, it, it comes up. Um, and I rarely use thumbs up or thumbs down on Pandora. I just let it go. Um, but if, yeah, if I want something focused, I'll use Spotify at this point. Um, I sold my record collection about 10 years ago. I had moved so many times that I couldn't drag 7,000 pieces around from coast to coast. Wow. And I, I, I digitized maybe 75% of it and then just got 
exhausted and just gave up and sold it. Wow. Just the way it had to be. Um, but anyway, yeah, I mean, the record store is the best. So whenever I go to a new town, I'm, it's one of the first things I do is I go to a record store and I still dig and I still buy vinyl here and there. And I've got a small collection and I kind of just rotate it. But um, that's that's on my that's that's been, a, a, I guess, a recent uh, interest of mine. So I want to say in the last like year, I kind of got into vinyl like. I, I have I have weird vinyl that I have like the Rocky Four soundtrack, which was a birthday present because I, I, I love that movie. And uh, <laughs> Rocky I have like Four? yes, when, when Rocky beat the the, the Russians, it, it was great. And right. <laughs> and uh, I have like two Charles Mangus records here and some Prince knockoff. It's not like Prince; his name is like like Duke or something, but it's kind of a similar vibe. It's a similar. It's a Prince knockoff. It's a similar energy. And those are the records that are in my house. I need to really sort that out and improve what I, what I have there. Um, so let, let's talk about Hammerjacks before we go back into the, the two of you individually. Um, so Hammerjacks initially, uh, like opened in 1977 or what have you. So let's talk about like the quote unquote inverted commas, the new Hammerjacks and how will that em- embrace like being a modern venue, um, set up while honoring this history it's 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 big like people in the know that have been here and been in the real baltimore not like as we've shifted but this real baltimore when you hear the the name hammerjacks there's a certain degree of like reverence there so so speak on that a bit yeah so hammerjacks was started in 1977 and if most people don't realize that hammerjacks when it started on charles street was just a bar uh, they mm-hmm. obviously played music over the speakers, but they never had any live music or anything. It was just a bar um, that I believe played a lot of ACDC and was like, you know, just sort of like a sort of rock and roll bar that then morphed in the early 80s to, um, you know, to under the bridge next to where the stadium is now and yeah. then grew from there. Um, and we are obviously you know, we're obviously very keen to what the word, the word phrase hammerjacks brings back to people in Baltimore. Like I was alluding to earlier, people from Maryland love everything Maryland. Like, you know, we were talking about like, if you just put a Maryland flag on something, somebody's going to buy it just because it's got the Maryland flag on it. And um, so it was always very important to me to to have a call back to the past, but, um, and to, you know, make sure that we honor that. And we honor that by doing simple things like in our venue, we have this huge, uh, banner that shows sort of the history of Hammerjacks when it started through the different iterations, the different bands that played there. And there's different pictures that call back to things that happened at Hammerjacks. Um, but you know, obviously the world today is much different than it was in the 70s and 80s. Like we, you know, if we tried to bring Hammerjacks back in the form it was initially, we would be arrested, canceled. And it just, you know, it's just a completely different world at this point. So our modern Hammerjacks is, you know, it it obviously is starting as an outdoor entertainment venue because that was a COVID thing. You know, ultimately it wasn't our original plan, but it seemed to work perfectly. Um, And we will get back to our roots of doing, you know, every one of our tailgates does have live music, but, you know, next year we'll do go back to our roots of actually programming real music and such, but it's not going to be, you know, what, you know, people think of Hammerjacks as a, a hair club, a rock and roll club. You had the Ramones, Guns N' Roses, you know, Slayer, all those guys, Iron Maiden, but they also had people like, you know, 
coach, uh, like Dave Matthews, right? So as time goes on, obviously the tastes of the people change. And so Hammer, the new Hammer Jacks is going to be a fantastic time and it's going to showcase modern music. Ultimately, we are going to bring back some of the old, you know, we're going to attempt to bring back some of the old groups like, you know, Kicks comes back, for example. Like we know that Kicks would do fantastic at Hammerjacks. But at the end of the day, it's going to be all different genres of music. And really, the legacy that we're keeping is that legacy of camaraderie. And when you're in these doors, you're going to have a good time. Um, you know, like I have long hair, but we're obviously not assuming that everybody that comes is going to be wearing leather pants and has long hair and that type of stuff. But we, um, you know, so really the legacy is, is rebringing back because it's got such a reverence in the marketplace, bringing it back to a, to a, uh, you know, and, and resurfacing it as something new that all generations can hold on to and we can move it forward. Um, so I, uh, let me, add, let me, I mean, I just wanted to add, you know, I mean, so another way to call back the past is our geography, where we're located. Um, the the most popular iteration of Hammerjacks from 1977 to 2006, which was three locations, the most popular location was the Howard Street location. And in case you haven't noticed, uh, there's a stadium there now. <laughs> and... <clears throat> and we're uh, roughly three city blocks away from that origin, from that that most popular location. So, keeping with the area, that architecture, that feel, that's a big way to do it. Mm-hmm. There were lots and lots of spaces around Baltimore that were, you know, available. Let's just say, but this one, geographically speaking, makes a lot of sense. Uh, the other thing that I want to say was, you know, musically speaking, Andy's 100% right. I mean, we cannot recapture the 80s or 90s or even the late 70s. And if we could, I would bottle that up and try and do it as much as possible because there's a lot of reason to do that. But we're the people's venue. I mean, Hammerjacks was a place that a lot of people could just come in and let their hair down and, and, and be anything they wanted to be. And I think that we're trying to carry that through with the idea that we're genre agnostic. Um, when I went to high school, you could kind of tell who the metal kids were. You could tell who the hip hop kids were. You could tell who the country kids were. They all dressed a certain way. But these days, everybody's a little bit of everything. Um, and so we're adapting to the times just as much as we're trying to preserve the past. Um, and I think we owe it to Baltimore to not alienate, you know, uh, uh, the, the, the folks who, want to come in and enjoy what I would kind of call more heritage music sure. now uh, versus, you know, educating and, 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 and welcoming as many young people as, as we can and being inclusive. Um, so I think that's all, those are all very important things, but somehow when we say it out loud, uh, all of it makes sense. I dig it. And I will, I will say another thing in regards to location, like the, the most famous iteration of Hammerjacks was under the 395 bridge and we're obviously right under the 295 bridge. So it's sort of, you know, keeping with the place and the, t- the style of area um, that, you know, certainly, certainly rings true in that respect. I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. That sounds great. Um, so speak on um, your favorite venues and if any of those traits, whether it be in maybe trying to have your own flavor, like, 
I look at it like this. Like if you go to a restaurant for sake of argument and you may have notes of like, oh, well, you know what? I would do this with this shrimp and grits dish or I would do this with this cheesesteak or whatever the thing is and see how it went back to how it went back to Philly and New Orleans, Mark. Um, I, I, I guess the the question I would have is in any of the what are your favorite venues and would there be anything that you've seen that these venues that you may want to try at hammer jacks you're like you know what i want to put my own spin on that and at my own place well i'll do i'll go first because mark's going to have a ton of them because he's been all over the country so let me get mine out first i mean obviously growing up in my area 930 club was a you know a huge uh, inspiration, like, you know, the, uh, just having that 930 club and being able to see music there and the way that they do what they do, where it's sort of very simple, but also awesome. Um, the 930 club, uh, is one that comes to my mind. And the other one is actually from down in Austin, Texas called Stubbs barbecue. And, um, that place is amazing because it's an outdoor venue with small indoor spaces. And when we're doing our outdoor area, um, that was, I sort of, I'm not going to say we designed it at all because they don't have the shipping containers or anything like that, but it's sort of like this little self-enclosed area right off a main strip. Um, you don't really know it's there unless you know it's there. And, um, it's just an amazing, they get tons of bands and it's amazing. Uh, you know, obviously Texas has much better weather, so they can be open all year round, but it's just, you know, the idea of being able to see a venue, see a band and not like Meriwether, Meriwether's awesome too, but that's like, you know, much bigger bands like Stubbs. You can get like really have the intimacy where you feel like you can almost touch the band, um, and still have the, you know, ability to, to see good bands. So you know, I'd say 930 Merriweather and Stubbs Barbecue down in in, in, uh, in Austin are, are my three favorite. And I think what Andy's touching on there is that there's a lot of the environment from those kinds of places have been really um, influential on him and, and me. I enjoy a lot of those spaces as well. But aesthetically speaking, what we've done for this outdoor portion of Hammerjacks, um, it's truly unique. Um we're in an industrial area, right? Historically, an industrial area that's now changing over. We've embraced using a lot of those rough, hard surfaces, brick, stone, metal, uh, rather than, you know, warmer, you know, uh, tones like grass and, you know, uh, sand, that kind of stuff, you know, different ways to sort of terraform a space. So we're definitely industrial forward in our design. The metal sea containers that we have on site not only serve as the perimeter for our space, but also make up the infrastructure, concession stands, uh, entrances and exits, offices, storage space, so on and so forth. So um, I've personally been part of designing well over a dozen venues, and um, this is unique. It really, it really is. And I think part of it is that the outdoor portion of Hammerjacks is not purely a concert venue. Um, it's an event center. We can have anything and everything in there. Um, and it's very purposeful, very purposely done like that. Um, obviously we have grand designs on a more uh, indoor space, uh, you know, and, and bringing that portion together makes it a complete picture in which case, any one of those venues that Andy mentioned or Tipitina's in New Orleans or the old backyard yeah. in Austin or, you know, any theater, you know, we can call 
back details and, and use those details in our space because we love those details. But uh, until we have the indoor part, I think we have something that's totally unique and never been done in Baltimore before. You, unique is what, what, what pulls you in and what grabs you. Uh, that's, that's what, what interests me. Um, unique, um, anything that kind of sticks out like, okay, they're doing that. They're doing that different. Like, Oh, that's, we don't have that here. And sometimes the idea might be is simple or, 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 it, on, on the surface is relatively simple from the people that are doing it, but it might not be something that's here and it might not be something that works here. And the question I always have, because I'm an advocate for Baltimore is why not here? So I, I like that uh, kind of what you and uh, Andy are both describing there as far as having something that's unique and kind of uh, taking into account some of these really cool places, these cool venues um, and, and venues that I know of, because I, I travel on occasion as well. So that's, that's really, that's really cool. Um, so let's see, I, I've read about some of the big things that are, are, are happening and I think they're combining various like Baltimore scenes. Um, you have like kind of this, this art um, situation there with the mural uh, from uh, Nether. Um, you have um, the, the sports fans with the tailgates and you have people who are, or just like Baltimore people and they want to check out the venue and, and check out the space. So speak on some of the other projects that you, that may, that I may not be aware of that are, are happening. Cause I know that you guys have, you know, open relatively uh, recently as we're recording this interview, but what are, what are some of the things that are happening that I'm, I'm unaware of? And what are some of the things that, you know, you, you know, best case scenario or pie in the sky that you, you know, I would like that, that to happen here. So shoot it out there, if you will. Do you mean from a, like a, like a, like an infrastructure perspective, like what we're going to be doing to the space to make it more inclusive? Is that what you're um, just, just, uh, some of the things that are, um, within the community and bringing these different scenes together. So maybe in terms of like programming and things of that nature. Yeah. Well, so I'll, I mean, I'll, in regards to community engagement and that type of stuff, that's obviously being a local and being somebody who's sort of, you had alluded to it earlier. So, you know, why not Baltimore, right? Like I've just sort of seen Baltimore get overlooked, um, again and again. And, it's such a great city that we're going to do our part to make sure that people do stop and take a look. Um, but you know, engagement with the communities and things that we're doing, like one thing that's sort of unique to us is every one of our events is we go into partnership with local 501 C3s. Um, so we have like skate park of Baltimore and we have the Ullman foundation and we have parks and people. And for us as owners in this area, that's always been a very important part for us to make sure that we're connecting with the community, furthering the community and shedding light on some of these great organizations that make the community as great as it is. So, um, if you come to a tailgate, you'll notice that uh, we'll have a, a great presence from either of any three of those organizations. And we obviously make donations and we have them in our venue to sort of bring more, shed more light on each one of those um, organizations and, and hopes that we can get people to, um, you know, enjoy what it is that's happening and sort of get, get people to, to back those organizations. Cause we feel that they're great organizations. Um, and we're going to continue doing that in the future. That's something, you know, we're going to continue doing, uh, through the life of Hammerjacks is continue to identify and, and, and shed light on these certain 501 C3s. Um, I think that one of the things you may not know, like, you know, we're doing private events. We have a private event that's coming up this weekend called the quintessential festival, 
that everybody can go and get uh, information on hammerjacks.com about. And it's basically, you know, talking about history, like, I don't know if you knew this, but our venue where our property is today is also where the former Paradox used to be. Oh, really? Um, and Paradox was a very well-known institution in Baltimore for many, many years. Wayne Davis was the owner. He's a friend of mine, known him for years. And, you know, th- so we're quintessential festival is gonna, Wayne is actually going to be there. There's going to be a bunch of DJs that are that are going to be uh, spinning throughout the day. And it's, um, you know, that's something you may not know about. Um, and also just to, in regards to the mural, there is a iteration of Paradox. The iconic front um, front entrance of Paradox is actually portrayed in our mural, along with Kay Swift, who, as you as you know, was a you know was a an amazing artist out of Baltimore who, unfortunately, his life was cut a little bit short. And we uh, we have our uh, we have a rendering of, you know, a painting of her in front of paradox, giving the peace sign. Um, and you know, that's something that we were obviously very excited about and we thought was very important, uh, because not just the hammerjacks history, but there's also the paradox history that we of course wanted to, to bring back and portray. Um, but this year it really is just going to be tailgates. And I, I guess I'll be quiet and let Mark talk about this just because the music industry is a little bit uh, broken. So this year we're really just starting with the, uh, the tailgates, but next year we do plan on producing and promoting uh, actual concerts and other events. But so Mark, I'm, I've been talking, you want to jump in and, and take it? Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, a, a note about the mural, um, this is one of Baltimore's biggest murals. Um, it's 150 feet wide, over 30 feet tall. And we were able to hook up with some really, really talented artists who paint large-scale murals every day, who utilize city landscape and, and take, you know, a somewhat plain or even dilapidated ugly wall and bring it back to life with their original art. In this case, we had this huge canvas and we wanted to showcase multiple pieces of iconography from Baltimore. So on that wall is everything from a raven, obviously signifying the football team. There's a hand next to the raven that's kind of releasing into the air and has both Super Bowl rings on it. So we've got a little bit of sports mention. We've got um, some different signage on there that calls attention to the neighborhoods that are surrounding Hammerjacks, the Carroll Camden area, the Pigtown area, and of course, Fed Hill. Um, we have old vinyl albums as if they were stacked on each other and you can read the titles on the sides, real le- little small lettering. And that's showcasing some of the more historic uh, 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 performances at the old Hammerjacks. So Metallica's on there, Dave Matthews, so on and so forth. Ramones, Iggy Pop. Really would have wanted to be at that Iggy Pop show. <laughs> um, and... Uh, Moving on, I mean, Andy mentioned the portrait of Kay Swift. I think it's not only, you know, is her story both beautiful and tragic, uh, we feel some responsibility to use that large of a canvas to let people know and not let her memory fade away for the younger generations. There's actually a QR code being painted underneath 
that mural so people who don't have any idea who she is can go up, scan it real quickly and get a bio. Um, we've got Black Eyed Susans on there, State Flower, just little shout outs here and there, uh, all draped across a Baltimore City skyline um, sort of silhouette. So we're in love with it. We put a lot of time into it. The artists that we met here are as talented and uh, uh, just impressive as any market as I've ever, I've ever worked in. Uh, I would put these uh, in particular, uh, a guy named Justin Nethercut, who goes by the name of Nether, was just fantastic. Um, so we're really proud of it. The community events that we're doing um, right now, we have tailgate events for every single home game. That's our core programming for 2021. Andy mentioned a concert on Sunday, October 10th, called the Quintessential Soul Festival. Um, yeah, that's our first actual ticketed concert. Um, and then next year, we'll start programming, you know, what I would call touring bands, bands that are on the road, hitting venues, you know, 1,000 to 5,000 capacity. Um, and we're just evaluating that marketplace. Uh, I've been in the music business a long time, and it's rough out there. Bands are constantly shifting their plans. Um, COVID is clearly a, a concern. It's a health concern. It's a, it's a, it's a financial concern. Um, nobody who runs a venue wants to be putting patrons into an unsafe situation. And it's just every day there's something new. And the venues who are out there trying to make it solely based on music right now, I mean, these are my friends. These are, these are people that I've known for 20 years plus, and, and it's a struggle. So we're in a unique position. We have a kind of a two-sided business here where we can serve, you know, sports-related events and music-related events. And right now, we're just going to take it very easy and slide into the music world and wait for things to kind of get a little more right in the world. But I've been pretty vocal about this. It would be a really tough look, really bad start for us to program a bunch of concerts and then 50-50, like, you know, 50% 50 of them cancel doesn't look very good. Uh, we want to build trust with our patrons and uh, show them what we got. And I think there's a responsibility on our side to just sort of take it easy until the world's right. I, I love to hear it. I love to hear it. I think it's, I think it's smart. And I think it's having that, that, that structure where you were able to pivot, pivot is programmed in almost, and, you know, having this, this unique venue that, you know, you have a, an open air situation, you have a football season that's, that's happening that you can, do some programming at the tailgates that are attached to it and then kind of plan out and see what makes sense as far as doing doing these doing these um these tours and seeing what's happening within the industry because i think right now we're seeing the repercussions of a lot of things that have are happening um when it comes to just various industries that just people weren't taking an account of like um I've seen restaurants close because they can't staff and, you know, you would think, Oh, okay, well, everyone needs a job and everyone wants to work, but you, you can't staff and places are closing. And so just kind of seeing what's happening and being able to uh, see what makes sense for what the business is and uh, adjust accordingly. I think that's what it's been, especially in um, the, even the uh, education industry, mo multiple, multiple industries have been impacted. So kind of just seeing what, what, what's happening makes sense. Um, so I have a couple more questions here before we wrap up. Uh, so Andy, what is your most 
marked characteristic and uh, how does that apply to your work in commercial real estate? Because I've read that's where your background is at. Yes. Um, so my most, I mean, I, I would say kind of like our venue, I'm a, I'm a tad bit unique. I really care about people, but I also don't necessarily care what people think of me. Um, if that makes sense. Yep. I, um, you know, I, uh, I, you know, not to toot my own horn, but I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, to, what you see is what you get. Like there's no, I'm an open book. There's no mystic, anything behind me. Like I say, you know, I, I say it as it is and I'm very forward and very, um, you know, I'm honest and it's, uh, it served me very well in commercial real estate because, you know, uh, in my industry, it's all about knowledge, right? It's all about who, you know, what, you know, and getting the information. And my personality has served me very well because, I have very few enemies, if any at all. Um, um, you know, I, I, I go out of my way to be nice to people. I mean, not even because I want to be, I mean, it's like something I can't help, you know, like I put myself second most times and Mark will get, will, will, will attest to that. Like, you know, if most people are thinking about like, you know, you put yourself first, I'm definitely one of those people that puts myself, you know, third or fourth, even, you know, like, so it's, it's helped me very much because when I need a favor or I need information, I can call my colleagues and, you know, they're always willing to help me because they know that if they ever needed the help, they know who to call. Um, and it served me well. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a very personable person. It's funny. I like, you know, I'm one of those people that, you know, you're like, why are you talking to that person? Like, we like, you know, like most people can just walk by somebody else and not say anything. Like, why do you have to say hello? And then why are you talking to that person? And, you know, it's just, unfortunately, I don't know if it's because of the way I was raised or the way my father is, but, you know, I'm just a very, I'm just, I'm, I'm there. I mean, I'm, I'm very outward and I'm very much into connecting with people, um, no matter who those people are. Um, so, you know, that's, you know, not that it definitely doesn't serve me well. Sometimes I will tell you like the idea of that, the nice guy finishes first is not true. Right. So I would, I would actually probably serve better by putting myself first a couple of times, but it's just unnatural for me. Um, and you know, that's, you know, that's what served me well in real estate because I being local as well and knowing all the markets, from, you know, the Pennsylvania line down to, say, Fredericksburg, Virginia, and all the way out to uh, uh, Garrett County and, you know, over to the Eastern Shore. Being a local person um, also very much helps because, you know, three generations in this market, a lot of people that own real estate, like my grandfather knew their grandfather, or my parents went to high school with their parents, or, you know, just being local has been uh, a huge godsend for, for commercial real estate as well. Yeah. And I, I have a, a similar thing. And I think, uh, I think it kind of comes through with doing this podcast sometimes like, Oh yeah, tell me more, tell me more. I'm interested in learning more about you. Oh no, I have a thing to do. No, no, no. I'll get to that later. Let's just, let's just have the 40 minute conversation about life in the universe. Um, so Mark, uh, I read that you've produced more than 9,000 events and nearly 5 million tickets sold and booked huge artists like Foo Fighters, Bob Dylan, and, and one of my favorites, uh, Dave Chappelle. Uh, describe some of the skills that you've relied on to be successful and in, in, in what you do. My business mentor, who um, you know, I just owe everything to, uh, he gave me my start. His number one rule was you know, always be looking 360 degrees. It's a cutthroat business. 
And that does not mean that you have to cut other people's throats to be successful. It just means you have to make sure they don't cut yours. And that has probably resonated with me from day one more than any other lesson. Um, I've, you know, like Andy, I, <clears throat> I treat everybody I work with with respect, no matter what the outcome of the business situation is, you know, money won, money lost. Um, it's the only way I can kind of sleep at night. And I believe it's the only way you can really truly last, you know, 30 plus years in a live entertainment business. Um, for those people who have cut everybody else's throats, yeah, they may, they may have succeeded, but everyone remembers them as that person. Yeah. It's not the contributions that they made or the real estate that they built um, or the artists that they've helped foster and, and bring into the world. So I do it for all the reasons I just mentioned. Um, yeah. So that, that's kind of that. But uh, as far as, you know, producing concerts and everything, I mean, it's uh, always keep the patron in mind, keep the artist in mind. And if you can keep those two things in your force, you know, in the forefront of everything and not in your background, you're going to be just fine. Um, and I think that really does resonate with Hammerjacks. It's an independent brand. Mm -hmm. It belongs in Baltimore. It got, you know, kind of passed by because of real estate development and it went away. But when I look at Baltimore and I, I just see a lack of, that really, really, really special building that's known for putting on live entertainment like we've been talking about. Yeah, I want to say one of the questions that I used to have, and, and, and maybe it is a, a venue, um, but one of the questions that I used to have is uh, who is, and it used to be for this podcast, who is the pop culture representative of Baltimore? And I, I think it always was a challenge for people to to find it and and, and recognize what it is because too, too often these things go away, whether it be a person, whether it be a venue, something in terms of the iconography that's related back to the city. If someone was to do a mural, like you, you described earlier, I think you're definitely keying in on some of those, those, those factors that make up what Baltimore really is. Cause I think a lot of times that other parties have uh, more interest in what the narrative is and want to describe Baltimore is because Baltimore's front facing reputation isn't out there the way that it could be. And I think being purposeful and having a venue like Hammerjacks and say, no, no, we're a Baltimore brand, we're a Baltimore institution, and this is what it means to be here. And this is important to us. I think that that is moving in the right direction to kind of uh, abate that. Now, Last uh, question I have for, for the two of you. And this is a new one. This is a new question. And this is, um, this is, this is usually like my answer to this question is generally food. So oh, for I was about to say, here comes the gotcha moment. <laughs> no, no, I don't really do the gotcha stuff. Um, what is your greatest extravagance? I, I, I like to have really nice dinners. Like, Hey, let's go to the bygone and let's just, you know, drop 200 on this plate real quick. And that's what I do. Day jobs an analyst. So I can just fiscally figure out like, how does this work? How does this make sense for me? Let's, let's do it. So for, for the two of you, what are, what are your um, respective uh, greatest extravagances? Is it, is it records? Is it like really expensive shoes? What's, what's the extravagance for you guys? Well, I'll go first on this. Um, I'm, 
the, the more you get to know me, you'll realize I'm a pretty simple, simple dude. Um, so I have two things, one that's sort of extravagant, one that you might not think is extravagant, but I asked myself this question actually numerous times. And it's what I come back to all the time. My main extravagance would be skiing. I grew up skiing, uh, you know, on the East coast, I've traveled all over the country skiing. And it's one of those things that honestly, economically does not make sense because it's so expensive, but if you invite me on a ski trip or, you know, there's a ski trip happening, I'm going, I don't care what it's going to, you know, obviously I do care what's going to cost. And sometimes I can't, but that's probably my biggest extravagant is that I'll grab my skis and go anywhere, uh, to get on the, uh, to get on the slopes. The other one that's kind of funny. Cause I do ask myself this question because I'm like, my wife always yells at me because I don't, I don't like clothes. I don't like shoes. I don't like, like I barely even wear shoes and Mark can attest to that. Um, <laughs> My other extravagant is a little bit weird. I think it's like water. Like I like taking a hot shower and I like taking sort of a long shower. And it's just one of those things that I don't really need to do it. And I'm thinking about it saying like, I think this is a waste of water, but I'm a kind of a jerk. But like at the end of the day, that's what I love to do. I love to, you know, like I literally sit in the shower thinking about, okay, I could end this already and save the water, but no, 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 no. I'm going to keep doing it. I love this feeling of the hot water all over my body. <laughs> so you like to look like a prune is what you're saying. after being in the yes, shower for a long exactly. time. I don't, I don't get out unless, you know, I, you know, unless my fingers are shriveled, put it that way. And I just, I love being in the shower which is weird, I admit, but, you know, it is one of my extravagance because in today's world with water concerns and everything, it's like the one thing where I feel like I could cut back on and I feel like a jerk because I don't. <laughs> yes. It's like that Hannibal, uh, Hannibal Burris joke about having infinity water. He's like, yeah, water crisis. I just let all the water in my apartment run all the time. Right. <laughs> so Mark, how about yourself? Mine is, um, it's, it's really, uh, hard not to sound, uh, <laughs> like a monk. Andy just said he enjoys hot showers. I'm not, I don't want to sound, uh, I don't want to sound pretentious. Um, mine is travel and sights and sounds, right? So I don't have to travel luxuriously. I just have to travel often. Um, my wife and I have made a pretty good habit of that. Um, I mean, we went to Thailand for our honeymoon and six months later we were back in Asia doing Vietnam, Hong Kong, Laos, like, you know, going up and down and that, that kind of stuff. Right. So whether it's experiencing stuff on this continent or another, I don't want to stop traveling. Um, you can, you can, you can get a taste of culture, food, music, all that stuff. But my favorite, favorite extravagance while I'm traveling is to travel specifically to go to like a music event, whether it's a festival or a specific concert, something that's just obscure and you can only see in that place. A good example would be I flew to France to go to a festival that had, this is kind of stupid, I say it out loud, but that had American artists like Mississippi River Delta artists and New Orleans artists, artists that I could have seen in the United States, but never in one place altogether. <laughs> and so I flew all the way to France to go see that. And by the way, the concert was like subsidized by the government and it was seven francs back when this is before euros. Yeah. And that's nothing. It was like $20 yeah. and we got a whole day by the river in Toulouse, France, seeing all, <laughs> seeing all these artists that I love just in one place. And it was perfect. So that's an extravagance. Um, but yeah, I don't drive fancy cars and I don't wear fancy clothes. And, 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 you know, that's my idea of luxury doing that kind of stuff. I dig it. Um, the, it, it makes me, the, the, the trip to France makes me think of, um, 
and, and maybe it's because I share a birthday with him, but um, Questlove from The Roots, he once um, flew to Japan to have uh, sushi at the famous uh, Euro Dreams of Sushi, like yeah, sushi I bar. Story. And I was like, I would do that. <laughs> like, I, because I was watching the documentary and I found out about it. I was like, Japan for sushi, that's going to something. Now, <laughs> you want to make this a small world right now? Spin it. My cousin produced that documentary. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So not only did I know that story, and I used to be in business with Questlove. So, I mean, it's it, uh, the company that I used to run. We were partners in OK Player, which is uh, yeah. the roots. And uh, yeah, so I had heard that story from him after I told him my cousin just made this amazing document. Um, so random, small that's, world. That's great. That's great. And uh, the last thing I'll say, because I've been playing with this recently, and my, my girlfriend was like, so how many robes? So I've been looking at Versace robes, and I was like, oh, they go up to a 3X? Oh, let's get this. Oh, the pink <laughs> one, the red one? Let's get them. It's like, so it's going to be one for here and one for your house? I was like, yeah. I was like, don't put my robe on. You can't fit it. It's for me. You know, um, now that you bring that <laughs> up, like, I would have to say I love robes, too. Whenever I'm lucky enough to go to a fancy hotel that has a robe, like it's the key in the door, open the door, look in the closet. Next thing you know, I'm naked and I'm in my robe. And like, I will wear that robe the whole time. I, that's funny. You bring that up. I'm a robe guy as well. I dig it. I dig it. So, um, thank you both. Thank you, Andy. Thank you, Mark. Um, and what I like to do in the, uh, the last moments of this podcast is invite my guests to shamelessly plug. Where can he find you online, website, social media, all of that stuff. And again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So the floor is yours. Definitely go to our website, www.hammerjacks.com. Everything latest and greatest is right there. Follow us on social media. Lots of contests to win free uh, reserve tables. We give away game tickets, merch, food and beverage. Um, so being part of our social media uh, neighborhood is, is the best way to kind of get freebies and, and come party with us even more. Um, and, and then, then Instagram, Instagram is hammerjacks official, right? Hashtag hammerjacks official. Yeah. Hammerjacks official on both Facebook and Instagram. They're all linked off our website. And, uh, do you want Andy's home address or <laughs> <laughs> we can, we can change or we can share robe uh, suggestions. There you go. <laughs> That's one thing we'll have to do. Why don't we, we'll, we'll get together and go to some, some hotel and, and wear our robes all day down to the lobby and hang out. That'll work out. That'll work out. <laughs> so again, thank the, thank you too for, for, for being on this podcast. Um, and I'll do my sign off if that's all right with you. So for Andy Hotchkiss and Mark Dennerstein, I am Rob Lee saying that there's art in and around Baltimore. You just got to look for it. <laughs> <laughs>